0: Welcome back, it's me Lala, this is episode 69 and I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the oldest lies and how it's being repurposed back into our society, uh, rebranded as something else. So, knowing the enemy for decades, I really was in the belly of the beast, unknowingly. For a long time, I was participating in things that uh, went all the way back to Babylon unknowingly. Uh, I had no idea. And so we as Christians might be a little bit more attuned to what that looks like in our society. Or do we? Because I come across a lot of people who might not be uh, into researching history or knowing uh, some of their uh, belief systems and rituals that they partake in. And so I just kind of wanted to go through history a little bit. This is probably going to be a short episode. We'll see. But I want to go back to ancient mystery Babylon. OK, so in Genesis 10, 8 through 10, uh, it says Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. Forgive my pronunciation if I did not say anything correctly. I'm terrible at that. But anyways, in the interlinear Bible, if you go to Babel, it's it reads Babylon. Okay, and his name actually means to rebel and the word for uh, mighty is word 1368, Gibor. It's one who magnifies himself, behaves proudly, a tyrant who is bold and audacious. It's also used as a warrior in other places of of the Bible, but there is uh, the definition of it meaning a tyrant. OK, so some of this will be backed up with scripture, but some of it will be backed up with uh, other people's research and something that you can go in and try to read about yourself if you don't know about any of this stuff. So Semiramis, who is not named in the Bible, uh, she was believed to be his wife uh, or the queen of the Assyrian Empire. She reigned from 811 to 806 B.C., According to historical documents, she commanded territory that stretched from Asia Minor to modern day Iran. And some say that she helped build and found Babylon. So all of the uh, practices that we are seeing in the new age today, which we will get a circle back and connect it all, it all starts in Babylon. And so what they have done is they have made it seem innocent and seem harmless and put a bunch of rainbow colors on it and talk about ascended consciousness and all things like that and it goes all the way back to these days so one of the rebuttals that I hear when I'm posting about the new age deception is that I'm attacking things that have been you know not new they're not new yeah they're 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 not new you're correct about that that's the oldest lie and if semiramis did stretch her ideologies all the way to asia minor what religions are prevalent there hinduism buddhism right all false gods i have a friend who was just in nepal And they said that uh, Hinduism is like the main religion there and it is completely oppressed. They go from uh, region to region. They have like little false gods set up. They do their idol worship. I mean, it is a way of life there. And they have not heard the gospel in a big way, the way that we are lucky to have in America And here we are, you know, not believing the truth. And so it was incredible to hear about how these people who did hear the gospel over there were transformed in such a huge way. And it just made me think about, you know, this connection to the oldest lie in Eastern religions, that stem, that was one of the building blocks to what new age is today, because that's what new age is. New age is... The marriage between Eastern religions and pseudoscience, which we will have to, which we will get into in a little bit later. But yeah, it is the marriage between Eastern religion and pseudoscience. So if the Eastern religion is founded upon Babylon mystery religion that is founded upon disobedience to the most high God, well, there you have it. So consider that. Anyways, back to Semiramis. So there is a book. um, It's called The Two Babylons, written in 1853 by a Scottish minister. His name was Alexander Hislop. Um, He did a bunch of research uh, and he believes that Semiramis was Nimrod's wife and he elaborates on her rise to power in the book. He cites his Greek historical records as reference and proof. Hislop asserts that Semiramis was instrumental in Nimrod's plan to rebel against God. And he speaks of the woman's unusual ability to manipulate the will of men. Uh, It sounds a little bit like Jezebel uh, just reading that. So he goes on to say that together Nimrod and Semiramis created a polytheistic religious system focused on the stars to lure God's chosen people away from true worship. Okay, so... The polytheistic religion focused on the stars. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Already worshiping the creation and not the creator. That is really a central theme in the polytheistic religious system. So shortly after Nimrod died, Hislop reports that Semiramis earned the title Queen of Heaven when she claimed that Nimrod was a god and that her newborn son was Nimrod reincarnate. So began the worship of Semiramis and the child God and the whole paraphernalia of the Babylonian religious system. So to repeat that, there's the father figure who is, you know, a God to them. There's the mother God. She believes that she had a son of the father who was dead. And we'll get into a little bit more of some of those legends there. But already you can see that there is this... Uh, you know, fake tr- Trinity for lack of a better word, because I don't use that word. But the father, the mother, and the son who was, uh, who got miraculously pregnant. Now people use these stories as a way to discredit the actual story of our Messiah, and that's just how cunning the enemy is. And if you've ever watched Zeitgeist, you've seen them, uh, do that. In their uh, documentary and they used a bunch of different names for gods all over basically trying to insinuate that well see it's all in all different cultures and that's true it is true because in all different locations they're called something else so um, Nimrod Semiramis and Tammuz are the, the counterfeit and origin of uh, Babylonian legend of having Tammuz actually be the pagan Messiah. So <clears throat> there was other, um, the, the other the- theory or legend or uh, common belief was that she, he was immaculately conceived that he was torn apart in a bunch of different pieces and he, she took his member and and with a sorcerer that's how she uh fashioned one to put on his the sorcerer's body and with the magic of the sorcerer she claims to have become pregnant with him so the story it was told in egypt about osiris being killed isis finding his body and their union produced the immaculate conception of horus okay and um in greece it's zeus aphrodite and uh gonna butcher this name diana dionysus don't know but interesting about the greek gods you know this is all going back to just these false gods in ancient culture and what's interesting is they teach greek mythology to gifted students in schools across the country so There's multiple names. Um, I went over the Egypt one, the Greek one. In Rome, it's Cybele, Jupiter, and Addis. Now, Cybele was a goddess. We have the Vatican over here, right, which is supposed to be the most holy place for uh, Catholics. It's the one true church. I say that trying not to gag because it couldn't be further from the truth. If you're Catholic, I'm sorry. You really uh, need to ask God, Uh, To release you from the hold that the denomination has on you. Because we should not be uh, loyal to any denominations. We're followers of Christ. We're not followers of any religion. But the Vatican, as many of us know, is riddled with pagan symbolism, uh, blasphemy. And we'll get into that a little bit. But there is... Catacombs underneath the Vatican. And you can easily look that up. Um, they're, they're all over in Europe. But the Vatican was once an important center of pagan worship, specifically the goddess worship. God, The goddess survives in Rome's Vatican City, Washington, D.C., New York, Statue of Liberty, Asia. Okay, so there's a lot of goddess worship. The place that was first known as the Mons Vaticanus was founded as a necropolis sometime before 600 BC. It became a temple to the goddess Cybele in 204 BC during the Punic War. The practices of the mother goddess religion were soon forced underground, literally underground in those catacombs as they would conduct their ecstatic ceremonies in the catacombs under the Vatican. The layers of catacombs that supported the structure above were were used to conduct human sacrifice rituals and initiations. Now, if you read your Bible, it shouldn't come to any uh, great surprise that there was a lot of human sacrifice all throughout the Old Testament. It would de- It is detestable, obviously, and it was detestable to God. And it, it, he talked about it often. And so if we're Christians, it shouldn't be something that's like a huge mind-blowing thing. Um, and if you know the enemy you know that the best tactic that he can use is uh, infiltration, right? And we'll talk a little bit about that here shortly. Now, it wasn't until 8196 where human sacrifice became a capital crime and these tunnels were apparently closed. Uh, secret tunnels, however, allowed the forbidden ceremonies of Cybele, including child sacrifice, to continue. And in the second century, the tunnels were closed and Roman families that still engaged in such practices were banished to Libya, supposedly. Right. So if you look at the Vatican, there is a an Egyptian obelisk right in the St. Peter's Square. So the obelisk is actually... Homage to Nimrod's member, okay, and that's why there's one in Washington D.C. and you'll see them all over uh, the world, and that's because it is it is uh, spread worldwide. Now there is a direct connection between. The Babylonian religion and the Church of Rome, which evidently has adopted the Babylonian rites and titles. Okay, so when we're talking about the book of Revelation, if you look at the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation, there is a lot of themes that overlap each other. There's the creation of heaven and earth, and then there's a the creation of new heaven and earth. Okay. There's the curse and then there's the curse being abolished. There's death enters creation and then death is destroyed The Redeemer is promised the victorious Redeemer reigns Babylonian Babylon Babylon is built judgment on the nations Babylon destroyed judgment of the nations. So they mirror each other. So if we know that Genesis was first brought about in, or I'm sorry Babylon's first brought about in Genesis uh, and we know that Babylon is referenced in Revelation what are they talking about? And I think that knowing history is a huge part of being able to understand. And um, as many of us know, Revelation means unveiling. So I think that it's unveiled at the correct time uh, in God's time. And I think that's happening right now. So I personally believe that the uh, Babylon, Babylon, Mystery Babylon the Great um, refers to What we know as the Roman Catholic Church and all of its tentacles. So there is a it is a fact that the high priest of the old Babylonian religion was the original pontifix Maximus. When Xerxes the Persian conquered Babylon in 487, the Babylonian priests were expelled. They removed and settled in the western city of Pergamos in Asia Minor, where they fixed the central college. The last pontifex of the original Babylonian priest, King Attalus, the second pontiff king of Pergamos, bequeathed the title and his dominions to the Roman. Julius Caesar accepted the title about 68 BC, and the Roman emperor from that time was Pontifex Maximus up to the year 375 AD when Emperor Gratian renounced it and the Bishop of Rome took it up. And to the present time styles, himself, Pontifus Maximus. Here, therefore, we have a direct connection between the ancient heathen Babylonian religion and the Church of Rome, which has adopted the Babylonian rites and titles. Wow. So... There that that excerpt is from the book Revelation Timeline decoded um, by David Nicao Wilcox I would highly recommend it even if you do not prescribe to that idea which it's really hard to deny once you s- see the history of the Roman Catholic Church and their role in murdering um, The Saints and just from the perspective of Christ's followers Now there is like I was saying there is the Egyptian obelisk at the Vatican okay so the the guy's name who who lifted that up was Gaius Julius Caesar Augustus Germanicus better known by his nickname Calugula horrible with nicknames (laughs) but uh his uncle and adoptive father was Tiberius succeeded Augustus as emperor of Rome. Um, He also had a connection to Nero who was really well known for brute persecution. And um, what's interesting is he was the one who brought the Egyptian obelisk to the Vatican and erected it okay it was brought from Egypt to Rome and then they put a big cross on it but it was to honor their pagan uh, beliefs now if you don't believe that looking a little bit deeper into him um, he was very full of himself he said let there be one lord one king he began implementing very controversial policies that introduced religion into his political role he began appearing in public dressed as various gods and demigods such as mercury apollo hercules venus Reportedly, he began referring to himself as a god when meeting with politicians, and he was referring to as Jupiter on occasion in public documents. Crazy. So I think that right there proves that, remember that Nimrod was Jupiter in Roman culture and beliefs. Okay, so he referred to himself as Jupiter on occasion in public documents. Sacred Precinct was set apart for his worship. In the province of Asia and two temples were erected for worship of him in Rome. Okay, he would present himself as a god to the public and um, he had the heads removed from the various statues of gods and replaced them with his own. It was said that he wished to be worshipped as Neos Helios, the new sun. Indeed, he was represented as a sun god on Egyptian coins. Okay, because that's what it is. It's sun worship um, in in Ezekiel 8, 13 through 16, it says, then the Lord added, come and I will show you even more detestable sins than these. He brought me to the north gate of the Lord's temple and some women were sitting there weeping for the God Tammuz. Have you seen this? He asked. But I will show you even f- more detestable sins than these. Then he brought me into the inner courtyard of the Lord's temple and at the entrance of to the sanctuary between the entry room and the bronze altar there were about 25 men with their backs to the sanctuary of the Lord they were facing east bowing low to the ground worshiping the sun sun worship in the Bible that's what they did and they also referenced Tammuz so Tammuz um, was the pagan Messiah remember Nimrod was listed in the Bible Tammuz was listed in the Bible but the wife was not but Based on other people's research and uh, just looking into Greek records and all kinds of just study of ancient culture, many people have gathered that she was um, the wife of Nimrod, and that's kind of how we get this pagan trinity. So, in the Bible, there's reference to the Queen of Heaven in Jeremiah 44, 15 through 19. Uh, it says, and, and in other places, but it, in this scripture it says, Then all the men who knew that their wives were burning incense to other gods, along with all the women who were present, a large assembly, and all the people living in lower and upper Egypt, said to Jeremiah, We will not listen to the message you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord. We will certainly do everything we said we would. We will burn incense to the queen of heaven and will pour out drink offerings to her just as we and our ancestors, our kings and our officials did in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. So they said they won't listen to the Lord and they're going to burn incense to the queen of heaven, which is known as the Semiramis uh, or Nimrod's wife, Tammuz's mother, the pagan messiah. Okay. Now, the name Babylon is derived from the Greek word Bablu, which means the gateway of the gods. This meaning represents an access to salvation that is contrary to God's plan. In Babylon, access to God is granted through the system and not through faith in Jesus. Now, I believe it's John 10:1. Where uh, Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you, whoever does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Think of the Tower of Babel. They're trying to climb their way to heaven. Try Now, the, if you know anything about what the New Age does, they try to ascend their consciousness. And it's the same things. So it's the same types of things. They just don't know it. So the lie in the garden, it stems from... Uh, or the ancient mystery Babylon stems from the lie in the garden. Now, if you remember when in Genesis, when the serpent said, did he say that? He seeds doubt. So there's certain things where you can kind of understand how the enemy works. And uh, when you're in it too, it definitely helps you when you have been deceived for so long uh you see how easy it is and you see how good god's grace is and so the ancient mystery religion comes from the line in the garden babylon had was the origin of paganism right it's all over egypt greece asia now they did witchcraft sorcery divination spiritualism sex magic occult rituals east and that's where the eastern religions were born from now enters Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, Gnosticism, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, and and we'll go in from there. So this is the intro. I'm going to do a few episodes on this. The Roman Catholic Church is uh, something that really illuminated. The Book of Revelation for me. Once I learned about it, uh, how they treated the saints and how they um, were so desperate to subvert the true gospel, <clears throat> and just how far they would go. But through all of that, through the through the origin of Babylon, and what we always focus on now is like the Freemasons and. Like Kabbalah, but it goes back further. It goes to Babylon. It's Babylonian mystery religion, and it ha- goes by many different names, and they use it. I've seen so many use the lies of the enemy to muddle the true gospel, the true Messiah, and it's sad because the people who are within the Catholic religion are made to believe that Mary is the intercessor for Jesus. Um, That's blasphemy. They said that they could pay their sins away. They only had the scripture in Latin. They would supposedly read it. But the followers of the religion weren't allowed to have their own. And so when people would... uh, spread the true gospel they were murdered and tortured by the millions There, there's a whole sect of deception surrounding the book of Revelation the seventeenth week of Daniel because they've tried to subvert away from the blame of the Roman Catholic Church which was fulfilling the prophecies in the book of Revelation so learning about all of the history of what went on right after Jesus walked the earth and ascended has really illuminated a lot of the prophecies that have been fulfilled up until this point. So I want to play a small clip that kind of summarizes everything that we've talked about, um, going from the Babylon religion into the Catholic church and how they oppressed the saints. And then talking a little bit about how the enemy has infiltrated uh the body of christ by blaspheming the word of god pretending that they are servants of righteousness as we know he comes as an angel of light so why wouldn't his servants come as servants of righteousness and then we'll get into the next segment
1: god the creator finally became so grieved by the immensity of the wickedness on the earth and the corruption of his creation that he decided to wipe it all out and begin again, sparing one single family and the animals which God brought to ride out the waters with them. When the waters receded, the world had been cleansed from the evil that had almost wiped out humanity from the face of the earth. The great empires of the Watchers had been erased, their monuments and citadels shattered by earthquakes and buried by oceans. The angels who had conspired together against God were buried deep in the bowels of the earth, held there in the deepest darkness until the time of the final judgment of all things. The bodiless spirits of the giants, the Nephilim, were cursed to roam the earth, tortured by hunger and thirst that they could never satisfy, forever longing to have bodies to inhabit once again. Satan's direct rule over the whole earth through his vassals, the Fallen Watchers, was over, but no sooner than the earth began to be filled once again with trees and plants and animals, and people began to spread out and fill it once again, did the enemy of mankind begin working, seeking to rebuild what God had destroyed, his beloved Atlantean empire, whose sole purpose was the enslavement and destruction of mankind. But it would be different this time around. No longer did the fallen one have the ability to send his rebellious emissaries to the earth, to take wives and build cities and palaces where such self-declared deities could sit and rule directly over their subjects. No longer could they walk amongst men and be revered for their brilliance and stature. The satanic kingdoms that would be built after the flood had to be done through the worship of now invisible deities, forced to orchestrate their rule through various systems of interdimensional communication since God had now bound them behind a spiritual veil. Once again, a spectrum of forbidden knowledge was disseminated amongst these newly reborn civilizations in order to facilitate the connection between these civilizations and their demonic benefactors. Thus, in the courts of all the human kings and leaders of these kingdoms worked a host of occult priesthoods, sorcerers, mediums, astrologers, and practitioners of divination. The subjects of these pagan kingdoms would demonstrate their fealty to their false, fallen, invisible gods by sacrificing to idols, building them temples, having orgies and revelries and bacchanalia. The rebellion against God resumed in earnest after the flood, from the first failed attempt by Nimrod to build a tower into the heavens and storm the throne of God, through all the following kingdoms which were founded after the scattering from Babel. After God destroyed the Tower at Babel and confused the languages of mankind, paganism and occultism were gradually spread and developed throughout the world yet again, until once more the true God of heaven and earth chose to intervene, this time by setting apart a nation, a people, a kingdom to bear his name to all the others. from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, down through Moses, Aaron, and Joshua, judges like Samson and Gideon, kings like David and Solomon, prophets like Elijah, Samuel, and Daniel. On through the centuries and amidst the rise and fall of many demonic empires, the God of all creation revealed himself and began to reveal his plan to redeem humanity from their curse of sin and death and demonic oppression. Finally, from the humble town of Nazareth, a man stepped forward and revealed himself as the promised Messiah, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, and the one whose own sacrifice would once and for all destroy the curse and make it possible for men and women to be reborn through the Spirit of God, who would actually come and live within us as the new temple of God. And from that point on, the great spiritual war began to take on a rather new twist. For many centuries that followed, the truth of God began to advance upon the various territories of these demonic kingdoms, freeing people from the bondage they had been held in for generations. And for the first time since the Great Flood, large numbers of people began to truly understand who they had actually been in servitude to in these pagan kingdoms. Throughout stretches of Europe, Africa, and Asia, the truth of Jesus kept spreading, and people kept getting set free the first tactic Satan brought against us was brute persecution he used his puppet emperors of the Roman Empire to imprison kill and torture the first Christians but somehow this only wound up revealing the power of the gospel and the hope in eternity that it truly brought and so faith in Jesus only spread under the stage where the once unshakable Roman Empire began to crumble under its own heathen weight Next, Satan tried a different approach, which many ways proved more effective than the first. Instead of trying to crush the spread of faith in Jesus with the powers of empire, he would usurp it. From the time of Constantine onward, the enemy began a blasphemous campaign of rebranding many of his old demonic kingdoms and demonic occult priesthoods as now being Christianized. This way he could seduce the Christians with wealth, power. And earthly pleasures and corrupt the church of christ from within pagan temples were repurposed as christian churches pagan rites and rituals were reinvented as christian ceremonies the roman catholic church slowly emerged as one of the most effective weapons against the kingdom of god while it mockingly carried out its activities in his name a tactic which has no doubt given the devil no small measure of sacrilegious joy Through this earthly institutional vessel, Satan was able to prevent scores of people from actually reading the scriptures for themselves, and turned them instead back to the same bondage and darkness that the demonic systems had enforced before. Only now it was being done in the name of Jesus. Still, by the sheer grace of God, the truth endured, the gospel spread and genuine faith in the creator and savior of mankind continued to grow. Satan continued to work furiously to regain control of the world of men by way of Catholic imperialism and eventually European colonialism, which because of the advent of unprecedented naval power began to conquer more and more of the world that was accessible by ocean. At the same time, however, the spread of imperialism all too often still brought with it the truth of the gospel which opened the hearts and minds of the people to the true nature and identities of the pagan and shamanic religions they had traditionally held. The more Satan worked to tighten his grip on the world through imperial and economic means, the more he continued to find his kingdom being forced to operate in the shadows. The occult knowledge and pagan rituals that went all the way back to Babylon had been preserved down through the centuries by various strains of secret societies esoteric mystery schools, and underground brotherhoods, and for the most part, this is where it remained. As much as the devil had increased his control over humanity through governments, militaries, and financial means, the truth of God had increased as well, to the degree that most populations would still never openly embrace Lucifer as the one true God, even if he did control vast empires of wealth and power through his network of lesser demonic emissaries. Witchcraft and Luciferian beliefs were not yet something that humanity as a whole would accept. And this was an objective that Satan had to achieve if indeed he was to successfully restore his absolute rule over the world and declare himself to be God.
0: And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. But I've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, And ourselves your servants for Jesus sake for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ for we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us we are troubled on every side yet not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raiseth up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which we see are temporal but the things which have which are not seen are eternal looking at how the babylonian mystery religion has blinded the world the cultures the countries, the nations for centuries and since the dawn of time. You, looking at his tactics of deceit, lies, that he comes to seek, kill, and destroy, the way that he has intermingled his false gospel, his counterfeit ideology into the true light of the gospel of Christ is so glaringly obvious when you have been blessed with spiritual vision. That only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That only comes through the Holy Spirit being indwelled, indwelling inside of you as the temple of the living God. What a gift. And I say this very humbly as someone who thought they knew it all, That society had hidden forbidden knowledge from us and that Christians were deceived and brainwashed by organized religion and come to find out Christ Jesus hates organized religion. He hates all of these falsities with the veneer of scriptural basis, but has pagan roots. And by intermingling pagan roots with scriptural truths, it had another effect of causing people to distrust the scripture altogether. You constantly hear about the Council of Nicaea, the King James, all of that. But at the root of all, is the truth there's one Messiah there's one true God and it sounds foolish to those who haven't been blessed with the Holy Spirit and dwelling inside of them in first Corinthians 2 it says no the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God his plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began but the rulers of this world have not understood it if they had they would not have crucified our glorious lord this is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what god has prepared for those who love him but it was to us that god revealed these things by his spirit For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirits. It all sounds foolish to them. And they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So in that, the Gospels reveal to you, you start to understand these deep spiritual truths, you start to see all the deception around you, and praise God, because that comes through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. There's no amount of research that can give you the knowing that comes from the Lord himself. And there is this concept of being spiritual and not religious that people who are deceived by the New Age say, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. Well, so am I. I hate religion. <laughs> and demons are spiritual. So you're going to have to be more specific. Being spiritual doesn't mean that you're in, that you're spiritual with the one true God. And uh, once you start to research the different origins of other religions and how they came about and if you have an understanding of babylon how the enemy works it all becomes very very clear the world hates the messiah they hate him because they hate the truth we've seen it as truth seekers how they treat people who love the truth people who don't know jesus christ but are consider themselves truthers will one day find, at the end of their search, they will find the Messiah, the place of peace that they've been searching for their whole lives. There's a hole that only God can fill in each of us. Well, that's it for this segment. I will do a few more following up on this. I do want to go deeper into the Roman Catholic Church because as we see it today, it looks like that is the root of evil, really, in the Christian faith. But as you can see, it goes all the way to Babylon and the Catholic Church is not Christian at all. They have been the biggest proponent of pushing people away from God since Jesus himself walked the earth there's only one true God there's only one true Messiah there's only one true father son holy spirit and all the rest are counterfeits all the rest are false lights there's one true light and so if you don't know Jesus Christ I implore you to just ask God to show you who he is And you will find the peace and the hope and the wisdom and the understanding of all that you've been seeking your whole life. And if you already know him, God bless you in the name of Christ Yeshua. And I will be back next time for some information Wherever it goes, wherever the Holy Spirit leads me, but probably the Roman Catholic Church. I want to talk about the Church Kabbalah that is still here today. I want to talk about how the Kabbalah uh, wisdom and Gnosticism have turned into what is the new age belief ideology. And how all of that has melded together for what we know as a patriot truth or movement that is completely narrowing the gap between the church ball the patriot truther movement the new age spirit and deception and it's all convoluting into one in real time so as we shine light on it there will be less chance for the body to be deceived and it's very uh it's a it's a, an insane amount of different ideologies and beliefs that are converging but the The good news is there is nothing new under the sun and it is just the same old lies from the enemy, broken record again and again. And once you learn the tactics of the enemy, once you learn the patterns that he uses, you cannot be deceived anymore. And even still, we should plead with God because we're all susceptible to being deceived if we start to stray away from him. And so... Just ask God to show you the places that you're deceived, show you the places that you need to repent for, and to renew your mind, intentions, body, spirit every day, and just become more and more sanctified, more and more purified in in him, and that is what I pray for everyone here, and I just thank you for listening, and I'll be back next time. Have a great day, y'all.